And good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Philly Philly podcast brought to you by CEVsports.com. My name is Eric Perugini. I am here with my co-host, Christopher Lahiff, and we have a special guest with us tonight from the Driveway Athletes podcast, Mr. John Griffith. How are you doing, sir? I'm good. How are you guys? We're doing very well, very well. Uh, so, uh, Yeah, I'm not doing well, but... You know, we, we know why I'm not doing well, but, you know, <laughs> carry on. <laughs> well, I was going to let you take the helm on this one, Chris. You know, like, uh, tell us what the, uh, tell everybody what our episode's about, why we have a special guest, and what his specialty is. Well, I mean, Griff's specialty is hockey. I mean, he's played hockey, you know, he, a lot of his podcasts are about hockey. Different things, you, you talk about food and wrestling and all that. I mean, I grew up a wrestling fan, but I don't know enough to for us to actually do a show. <laughs> like, like I started my favorite wrestler of all time was Junkyard Dog, and then I stopped wrestling and, and I stopped watching wrestling until I think, like, I believe it was when the Undertaker came back as the American Badass. Was that Unforgiven? Oh yeah, like two thousand or so. Yeah, that's when I started watching again. From when I stopped. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So, why don't you tell us about your podcast? Uh, so I, I normally do about two shows a week. Um, one of them has really been fantasy football for the most part, but talk a good amount of hockey and sprinkled in there. And then one episode a week, we'll do a rewatch of an old uh, wrestling pay-per-view that I've been doing with another friend of ours uh, named Bill. And I kind of went, when quarantine started is when I actually started kind of deciding that I was going to write a little bit and, and do this stuff. Nice. Very good. Very nice. Yeah, I was kind of the same way once quarantine started and, and we got like our website going and everything, which was really funny. We were talking about it and it happened in a matter of days and I built the site and it was off and running. But uh, yeah, I did the same thing. I, I wanted to try my hand at writing, so I've been trying to do blogs and stuff like that on our website and I had a good one going today talking about the Eagles until I hit something that wiped out the whole thing. So start over from scratch tomorrow. <laughs> Sometimes that's good though. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like re reading it in my head cause I just did it. So I knew everything I wrote and I'm like, wow, that sounded stupid right there. I'm going to have to go back and change all that. So I'm kind of glad the internet decided to play shenanigans with my day. <laughs> all right. All right. So, Let's uh, so obviously we know what the big story of Philadelphia is right mm-hmm. now. Yes, it is. Went, went getting benched, which I'll get into my points into that in a couple minutes. But I want to hear both, you know, both of your sides. I mean, I, real quick, I I can honestly agree that I feel like ninety nine percent of the city is probably for the benching of Carson Wentz. I could be wrong. But I feel like everywhere I read or that I see on social media, on Twitter, on Reddit, it's like, good, you know, bring Jalen Hurts in against the number one defense in the NFL. You know, let's welcome him into the NFL that way. But, you know, I don't know what your guys' thoughts are. I know Eric's for it. Griff, why don't you go ahead? Um, if I can give you guys an objective point of view, because I gave up my Eagles fandom a little bit ago. <laughs> um, so I can at yeah. least give you an outside, you know, like a non-emotional point of view. 
Um, I, I think that they're painted into a corner. I, I really think that they kind of have to. Um, I don't think it's necessarily the best, you know, with a, with a turnstile offensive line and not many weapons. I don't think it's a great way for a kid to succeed. And I feel like we've seen a lot of young quarterbacks careers end with basically taking too many hits too early. Um, that being said, I don't see how they have another choice. Yeah, I um, my my thing is, it's like, all right, I'm I'm a huge Carson Wentz guy. I don't hold any, you know, uh, qualms about telling anybody that. But this was a change that I felt needed to happen like two weeks ago, um, because you can't deny he's just playing horrible football right now, and for whatever that reason is, um, I'm not on board with the everything's his fault. Because if you can't you can't make it on one person if everything's a team game, which includes the coaching. So um, I do feel it was it's a couple weeks overdue. Um, I was excited for what we saw out of Jalen Hurts, even though, I mean, if you really think about it, what we saw was typically what we got out of Carson Wentz, just maybe minus a nice touchdown throw. <laughs> I mean, he had a couple he had a couple good throws. Um, but Green Bay was relaxed a little bit at that point. And when they did put their foot back down on the gas and put some pressure on them, that's when Hertz did throw that interception. Again, not knocking them. I thought, you know, he did a, he did really well while he was in there. You know, it was a, it was a needed spark. I mean, Jalen Rager, he come got that touchdown on that return. So, I mean, you could tell that there was a difference in how they played. Uh, but, yeah, I, I have no problems with it. I'm just interested to see what's going to happen from this game, like Chris said, putting this rookie up against the number one defense in the league. Who, who, by the way, that team who just won their division is playing with a quarterback who's a, the typical gadget quarterback, but he's got players around him. So they're, they're proving that you don't need a major star if you have enough players around somebody. I mean, it, it, all, it does help. Don't get me wrong. If you got Drew Brees back there, but Taysom Hill's doing a—he's doing an admirable, admirable job for them. So, I mean, they have a formula that's working. That I, I look at the Eagles and it's like, well, if Wentz had what he's got, maybe it's a different story. But I'm all for it. I mean, I hate to say it, but uh, just see what happens going into next year after this one. What about you, Chris? Oh. <laughs> All right, here we go. I am absolutely 100% against this. Because if you're going to bench Carson Wentz, then Alshon Jeffrey needs to be benched, and Jason Peters needs to be benched, and so does Darius Slight. Those are supposedly the top players at their position on our team, and they all suck this year. So how are we going to put it all on Carson right. Wentz? You know, Doug Peterson, I, just, I was just in the middle of, of a group text, and – Doug Peterson, I love the dude. You know, you, you know, I always sat there and said earlier in the season, what has Frank Reich done? What he's, you know, he hasn't done anything. Now Frank Reich is doing something. You know, I think Doug Peterson's head got too big after he won the Super Bowl. And I get it. You beat the number one, you beat the greatest head coach of all time and possibly the greatest quarterback of all time in the Super Bowl in, a, in probably – one of the top Super Bowls, you know, in the last 20 years, other than the Seattle-New England one. I think his head got too big. 
I think when they fired the offensive coordinators, when he said he wasn't firing them, you know, he got pissed off. And then he's like, well, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to be the coordinator, you know, where you don't need one because, you know, I won a Super Bowl. That's what I think is going through his mind. Now, the, a head coach's job is to worry about the 53 players on the roster. You have a defensive coordinator to worry about the 15 to 16 players you have on offense. And a defensive coordinator is, is to worry about the 15 to 16 players on defense. And then in, now, now, in this case, you know, instead of looking at the entire field on the entire roster, Doug is basically focusing on the offense. And it's showing that he's not – he doesn't have good coaches around him. That's why they won in 2017 because they had a great coaching staff. That was their biggest strength. Carson Wentz just didn't forget how to play football. Right now, it's mostly all mental. I absolutely get it. You know, it, it is what it is. It's a mental game when you have to play quarterback. But if – and I, I, I had texted, you know, Eric this earlier – if Miles Sanders has over 22 carries this weekend, if I'm Carson Wentz, I'm never suiting up for the Eagles or Doug Peterson again. Because to me, that is just blatant bias towards you, towards, uh, what's his name? J- uh, Jalen Hurts. You know, everyone's talking about the great, you know, he came in, he threw a touchdown on a prevent defense where they rushed only, like they, they rushed four and then one drop back. You know, and then when Jalen Rager, you know, return that punt. It was like, oh, uh oh. All right. Well, you know, let, let's see what happens. And we all know what happened. They put their, like you said earlier, they put their foot on the pedal. They came back. The line collapsed. He got sacked. The line collapsed again. He threw an interception. Don't get me wrong. The defender made a great play on to, to make the interception, but it's still an interception. You know, I, I don't want to hear, you know, well, what about his 29 rushing yards? When your quarterback is your leading rusher, it generally means you have a bad team. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. There's there's no other way. Why did Boston Scott and Miles Sanders, and not this game, the last game, have a total of nine carries? Exactly. Why? Your quarterback is struggling. We all know Carson Wentz is struggling. Why would you not do it to ease the burden off of him? And so now you're going to throw – now you let Jalen Hurts come out and throw one or two touchdowns. You know, these guys still can't get separation. You know, if you look at the catch that Jalen – Rager made King was all over him. He just dropped it into his, into his, you know, into the breadbasket of a Rager. You know, Jalen Hurts at that point was like, "What do I have to lose? I'm coming off the bench. Let me just put it up there and see what happens." You know, Carson Wentz does that, and it's like if it gets intercepted and not caught, it's like, well, the whole town is now looking over his shoulder, as is Jalen Hurts. I I don't I don't want. I don't want Doug on this team next year if he doesn't have an offensive coordinator. Plain and simple. I don't want Howie Roseman on this team ever again. I, I just don't. I have no faith in him. This team, Carson Wentz needed weapons. He went out and got him a punt returner and a quarterback. We're a quarterback factory, he said. Are we a quarterback? Are we the factory that closed during COVID 19? Because I ain't seen nothing from this team, from anybody. Nate Studfeld. Because Nate Sudfeld came in relief against Wash a bad Washington team two years ago, and they shut them out. They like that. What makes us a quarterback factory? No, our heads got too big as a fan base, as a coach, and as a GM. Plain and simple, that was the worst thing. 
I mean, it was, listen, it was great. I loved it. But it was pro- probably the worst thing that happened to this franchise with how we, with the state of the franchise we're in right now. Why do you think Bill Belichick is so good, has been one of the greatest coaches of the last 20 seasons? Because he surrounds himself with a supporting cast. Matt Patricia was a great defensive coordinator. Josh McDaniel's a great offensive coordinator. He's always had a great special teams coach. Joe Judge is now, you know, he, he's got the Giants in a four-game winning streak. They're in first place at five and seven. That goes to show you when you surround yourself with great coachings, you're going to be successful. And like I said, Doug's head got too big. He was like, nope, you're going to fire my offensive coordinator. I'm going to call it a place. And it's Bit Carson right in the ass. Absolutely, but right in the ass. And I know that you don't think it's going to happen, Eric, but you cannot convince me that he's not going to Indianapolis or New England in the next two years, if not next year. I would trade him right – I would if I – if like I said, if I'm Carson Wentz, this is a slap in the face for the way this team's being run, and I would demand a trade. I would not suit up as a Philadelphia Eagle ever again. That's just me being emotional. You guys can come back with your retort. Well, John, I'll let you follow that one. Uh, you- <laughs> um, so two things, well, which are going to probably open up to more. I see the change almost the same way I see when you pull your goalie, even though the goalie's not having a bad game, the team is. Like sometimes you just have to do something um, to show that you're trying. Um, and I like personally, when I, when I uh, get it, you know, when I do put the game on, I see a guy who's got a problem with it, his internal clock. And I think that, um, look, we, we all, we're a little spoiled under maybe the Andy Reed era of like how good our offensive lines were. And even a little bit, a couple years ago um, under Doug. And when you can't protect, right? Like that's where the game is won and lost. If you can't protect your quarterback and you can't get after the other team's quarterback, it's really difficult to win. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he like, I just think that he had a long clock based on how the offensive line used to be. And that long clock, it's tough to just get over that. And I feel like he gets back in the pocket and he gets anxious. It's why you're getting a lot of sacks and the turnovers, which were not a hallmark of his, of his career. And I think that maybe sitting down and just having a break might actually be better for him. And if, you know, if a trade ends up happening, then it, then it does. But I think that you can't run hurts in and run an air raid offense either. Like it's just, they're two different types of players. Um, so you obviously you do have to call the game different, but I'm with you, Chris. If you're an owner of, you know, if you're Jeff Lurie, you can't bring Harry, Howie Roseman back. They Is it just me? Like, why does every draft, they can never go with this standard or the, like, consensus player? It's always got to be, like, a reach or an out-of-the-box guy. Because um, he wants to prove he's a football yeah, guy. But it That's hasn't why. worked for him, right? Like, um, so like you could try that and then it's like, all right, you do it once it bites you. Okay. Maybe you go, you know what? That was just a mistake. You tried again. It bites you. It's been multiple rounds and multiple years. So I, either there's a scouting problem or there is a, a coach not listening to his scouts um, or, or, a, or a GM not listening to his scouts, but it hurts the head coach too. Cause if you don't like how much better would it be if you had Justin Jefferson? Right. Like, and, and I don't know what Rager's going to be like. He started behind the eight ball with an injury, but I've, I've seen a couple of rookie wide receivers really look good. And 
Um, it's not that they, they went with a guy who's cut from a little bit of the same cloth as Deshaun Jackson, like a little bit of a, he's not, you know, he's not a 10 catch a game guy. He's a, he's a game breaker, but you're not seeing it. And I just feel like without one thing, like it starts at the GM, not getting the right players. It affects the coaches and then it trickles down to the players. And the, to me, it also feels like, and I could be wrong, but they're in danger of losing, losing the locker room a bit um, with God, with, with guys yeah. not, not uh, being very happy. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of agree. And you know what? I, I, I'll give you a pass on Justin Jefferson and Jalen Raiders. You know, Jefferson was a slot receiver at L- LSU, and we had Greg Ward. And you know what? If that's the pass we want to give him, that's fine. But there is no reason that he should have he should have drafted he should have drafted JJ Ortega Whiteside over DK Metcalf. There's nothing that anybody can say to me. I'll give you, like I said, I'll give you a pass on Jefferson. I'm not happy about it. But you know, DK Metcalf, like, what? No, no, absolutely not. And think about, think about it. Like, think about what this team could have been. You know what I mean? Like, you know, maybe with that three, because our receivers can't. They also joke. can't stay healthy. DK Metcalf. Yeah, but you true. But DK Metcalf has proven that he is. You know, he can get open. Off of like off right off the line, none of our receivers can, and they can't catch at, at times. I feel like they just forget how to catch the ball. Oh yeah, I mean you're right. I mean now here's a list of guys in the last two drafts that the Eagles have have. I'm not going to say missed. They just flat out passed up for whatever reason. Hollywood Brown, Debo Samuel, AJ Brown, Nicole Hardman, Chris mentioned DK Metcalf. Terry McLaurin, Darius Slay, uh, Justin Jefferson, Brandon Ayuk, T. Higgins, LaVisca Chenault, and Chase Claypool. Th- those are guys that go back to what John said. You know, you, you want, what's, what's wrong with the, the, the practice of taking the consensus player that's on the board or the, the best player that's available? Or even just drafting for, like actually drafting for need and using that model. Just take the consensus or the, the best player available. That's where I get mad at Howie Roseman in all of this. You know, I mean, I don't get mad at him for signing or offering Wentz the extension because you got to figure when they offered him that extension, I mean, look what the guy was doing. I mean, the guy, he's setting records for, you know, being the only, uh, quarterback to throw for over what 4,000 yards and not have one wide receiver with 500 yards for the season. That's never happened before in the NFL. He was the first Eagles quarterback to throw for over 4,000 yards. I mean, and up until this year, well, and other than his rookie year, he's had seven interceptions, three straight years with a, a broken back, a broken bone in his back, you know, so, but you're right, Chris, it, he, you don't just forget how to play. And the list is very small of, of quarterbacks who at 27 years old just forget how to play football in year five of their NFL career. It just doesn't happen. Now, I still will disagree with you, Chris. I don't think Wentz is going anywhere. I, I really don't. Um, 
I'm looking at the numbers right here, and what what? Okay, let's say example if he's traded. All right, number one, you got to find the right trade partner. All right, because this isn't like the NBA where you can get another. You know, you can swap out salaries and stuff like that. Um, well, number one, I don't believe that the Patriots will will get him because the Patriots don't give you anything when they make trades. They always get quality players on the absolute cheap, like give up a sixth or seventh round draft pick and they get all pro players. So I, I, I don't I don't I don't see that happening one bit. But if he's traded, if Carson Wentz is traded before March twentieth of twenty twenty one, they have a dead money cap of thirty three point eight million dollars and it saves them a net result of eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I I I can't I don't see how anyone's going, how anyone would accept to make a trade like that when you're going to be put in that kind of financial hell like you are right now. I don't see them doing it for next year. If he's traded after March 20th of 2021, their dead cap money is 43.8 million, and they lose 9.1 million. And then if he's traded in 2022. They have a dead cap hit of twenty-four and a half million, and they save six point seven million. Now, maybe twenty twenty-two is a little bit more doable, but I definitely don't see it happening next year with those with those kind of numbers. I really don't, because you're not going to get anybody that's going to want to take that contract and then give you picks, because you have to you have to rebuild somewhere. You have to get some kind of capital, and if someone's going to do that, you know they're going to they're going to give you the worst possible deal that they can offer you. And if the Eagles took it, imagine. I mean, you think we're going through a week of hell right now? Just imagine what will happen for the rest of next season. Hello? Even if Jalen – oh, you there? I'm... You hear us? Oh, okay. John, you there? All right. That's uh, it. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, that's why I don't see him going anywhere next year. I mean, no matter how you look at it, they will never get close to anything back what they invested to get him in the first place. But you're going to need at least a first-round pick. No one's going to give you that. See, here's the thing. Like, you're talking about the numbers. But if he's on the roster in 2022, or if he's cut, he's a, 52, he's a $59.2 million hit. If he's traded before June first of twenty twenty one, he's not a fifty. He, you're, he like you said, he's a thirty three million dollar cap dead cap hit in twenty twenty one. If he's not on the roster, but he gets traded. But if he's traded in twenty twenty two, the Eagles are no longer on the hook for the money. See, and that's why I'm saying next year he will be on this team. Now twenty twenty two, different story. And I agree with you. Twenty twenty two, we may see a different outcome. But you see, and then it goes back to two weeks ago, Doug said, I'm not benching my quarterback. That means we're calling it a season. Like, we're done. Like, we're out of it. It's, you know, we're throwing the talent. And now he goes and does this because he, because the fan no. base said so, because he thinks it's going to, he, because he thinks, he thinks it's going to, it's going to no. put a spark in this team. If this, if this, if this, um, if yeah. this, we're here. hello, we got you. Oh, if this puts a spark in this team and all of a sudden, Alshon Jeffrey, you know, is catching nine balls a game for 100 yards. Again, I am not playing for this team ever again 
if I'm Carson Wentz because you kept this cancer on this team and you gave him what he wanted. Plain and simple. There is zero reason that Alshon Jeffrey should be on this field. You're taking plays away from Travis Fulgham, who was showing a connection with Carson Wentz for three games. He was Jerry Rice for three games, and then he was Todd Pinkston since since then. Like I'm 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 over the I'm I'm over Alshon Jeffrey. I don't want to see him. Thank you for 17. You were great. You played you played phenomenal in the playoffs. You played phenomenal in the Super Bowl. But I don't want you on my team no more. You deserve to be benched. But because you make all that money, how is telling you to start him and play him? Because so because you picked Jalen Hurts, how is telling you and, and, and Lori play Jalen Hurts? There's nothing in my mind that you can convince me that Doug Peterson thinks. Oh, this is the I, right I move. don't believe it at all that he thinks it's the right move. I a hundred percent don't believe that. He was he was going down with the ship with his quarterback up until what Saturday afternoon or Sunday morning when the rumors came out that he was on the hot seat, and then all of a sudden it was okay to to take Carson Wentz out and bench him. So it, he and now he's saying that oh he did it to you know try and light a spark or or try something different. He should have did that a while ago. But I I hundred percent agree with you. All, all these things that are happening, it's all it's all how he orchestrating it. Doug Peterson has no control I'm, I'm, over that team. Has yeah. none whatsoever. He has no say at all. I'm telling, you, I'm telling you right now, as an Eagles fan and as a Carson Wentz fan, I've never – I am rooting for this team to get blown out on Sunday so I can have the I told you so moment. I'm waiting for it. I'm so aggravated with this franchise right now. And we won the Super Bowl. And I'm made like I want to. I want to fight somebody. <laughs> like I, I want my "I told you so" moment on social media. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, I know, man. It's 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 one of those things where you're like, wow, they just like three, what, three, four years ago they won the Super Bowl, and now it's now we're here. This is where we are at. And Jalen Hurts lost his job because he wasn't exactly. accurate. I don't think people realize that. You know, he he lost his job to two whatever his name is because he wasn't well, that accurate. That just enough. comes down to the this this city's fan base and the media fell in love with the backup quarterback story. Now it's always an issue in this town. It's only in this city that you will have backup quarterbacks are the, better than the starter. That that it's only going to happen in Philadelphia. It will never happen anywhere else. I mean, you don't you don't see uh, people in Miami screaming and yelling when Fitzpatrick was was starting, and then they they made the switch to the to the rookie. Nobody was screaming and yelling. I mean, they get it. They they know it's a it's a you know they look at the age of Fitzpatrick. They see that the team drafted for the future and they wanted to see him play, and they're getting it. It's a totally different story here than it than it is in Green Bay. Thirty seven year old Aaron Rodgers who. Yes, still about to be a, possibly be an MVP, but he's 37, not going to be playing forever or maybe that much longer. So they drafted a quarterback. You don't hear anyone saying that they got to put this kid in because it's Aaron Rodgers, because he's got a pedigree, a history. All right. And we're also very different than what happened in, in with the Chargers. Everyone knows that they had a stopgap quarterback in Tyrod Taylor. 
And there was a reason they drafted Herbert at number six overall. And because of injury, they got to see Herbert for pretty much the entire season. So there was no controversies there. People just knew that the gradual progression was going to happen. The Eagles created this. They created this by bringing Jalen Hurts in. So so to sit there and and, and move on from Nick Foles, they're like, okay, we're going to let you go and pursue being a starter again, somewhere else again. They go and they draft a kid that, like you said, got benched because he was inaccurate. And in this town, I saw on social media somebody say, long live, hashtag, ting hurts. I, I thought, we're doomed. We're doomed as a society. So, but yeah, that, that's, that's my rant. <laughs> well, didn't we run, but, like, we did the same thing to McNabb, who was in, inaccurate as well, right? Like, didn't we learn our lesson? I guess not, right? That, no, no. We, we <laughs> no, we, we no. never learn our lesson. You know, it's like, and, and Don McNabb is a great, I'm glad you brought his name up, because this is a guy who, he, he put it out there. I mean, a lot of people disagree. But for the most part, I mean, he laid it out there on the field for the, for the Eagles. I mean, this guy played a game with a broken ankle, had one of the best games of his career against Arizona or then Phoenix or whatever they were, I forget, but against the Cardinals. You know, and he was loved after they found out what happened to him and he missed a certain amount of time. You know, you know he gets, he's missed more games due to injury than Carson Wentz. And Carson Wentz, you would think, kicked, kicked somebody's puppy across the room. <laughs> it's... Uh, I don't know. We do it with every sport and um, especially with the quarterback position, right? Like you, you had talked about it mm-hmm. for a little bit with, right? Everybody wanted to see AJ Feely play over Donovan McNabb. Like, come on, come on, <laughs> you know, yep. and, and then yep. we did it before then, right? With, with the Bobby Huing uh, thing. Oh, and funny. so like we, we do it every time, but you're right. They bring, brought it upon them. So when you spend a second-round pick on a quarterback, you invite it. You invite mm-hmm. it. And, and they could have – again, I'm, I'm from the school of if you're not sure what the pick is, grab the best offensive lineman available or grab the best defensive lineman available if you're not in love with, with the players there. You can never go wrong with having too many offensive linemen. Nope, Never. And, and here's another example of how this some of the, the fan base is so stupid here in this city. Remember, I mean, you would you would honestly it. think that um, here, here's a really good one. Aaron Rowan. <laughs> the guy was an absolute nobody. He was a decent player. He became a legend. You might you might think that his statue was outside of Citizens Bank Park for crushing his face into the fence in the outfield wall. That's it. That's what he's known for in his career in Philadelphia. That one moment. That was his Super yep. Bowl. And a, a better quality player, but it also will tell you, um, because I get really angry with the with the fan base in this city, um, is the amount of people that will say we should have kept Rod Brindamore over Eric Lindros. <laughs> yes oh, oh, God. for saying that I was just thinking of that and um, it just showed like Rod Brindamore is a very good player this is not a knock against Rod like a solid second line center hard nosed player but at the time Eric Lindros was 
a top three player in the league, maybe the, the number one. Like, come on. It's easy to say now, like, yep. oh, you know that his career is going to be cut short, um, that you should have kept Brendan Moore around. But at the time, you can't keep around a top six player on your a top six player on your team versus a top three player in the league. Like it just it just goes like they value the there's very few people that fit the mold of what this city likes. And it's like Allen Iverson and that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chris and I actually talked about that one time and I said if you want I said if you want to like see a player that has personified what Philadelphia is, it's Allen Iverson. He's the only one I mean, I, you could have said maybe, you know, Kobe, if he ever played here. I'd like to throw him into the conversation because, like, I kind of feel like he was one of us, even though he was sort of outside the lines, but he was one of us. And, but, yeah, Allen Iverson, 100%, you, you, the way he played, you would think he was born and raised in this town. And the fans love him for it. Chris and I had a, a conversation a few weeks ago about, you know, uh, I brought up a, a comparison between – Ben Simmons and Allen Iverson, how one is complete, not hated, but one is just so frustrating because he doesn't shoot the ball. And then you have Allen Iverson where all he did was for a small guy, drive the lane, shoot the ball, do his layups, take the three. And people absolutely loved him because he played with reckless abandon. Yeah. And no, so, it, it, well, it's also like, and again, I love Allen. This is, but it's also like, Allen had to take 50 shots and nobody wanted to play with Allen, you know, and Ben is a different kind of player. He just is. And he's become a lightning Mm -hmm. rod while, and I, and I, I prefer Embiid, but while Embiid gets a little bit of a pass in this city, maybe not nationally where like, you know, uh, in, in both cases, uh, like if you had to play on Allen's team, you probably wouldn't, like playing with Allen because it was, I remember the games vividly. They would run the shot clock down and it, the whole time was to get the ball in the, in Allen's hands for one look. And right. um, you'd think, but because he laid it all out on the floor, the, the, the city loves him, you know, forever. Mm-hmm. But really it was what one playoff, one magical playoff run, but one playoff run. There wasn't much sustained success. No, you're right. No, you're you're absolutely right because it, it goes back to Chase Utley. <laughs> like, like you sit there and you look at these athletes, how Chase Utley played the game, and that's the problem with this fan base is is we fell in love with 08. we fell in love with oh nine. Let's sign these players again and give them all the money in the world. That is what is happening. Seventeen. Yep. Where we are the right. We are. And I don't think anybody will disagree with me. With this benching, we are the laughing stock of the NFL, and the Jets are zero and twelve, <laughs> and their 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 front management office right now is more stable than ours. And that's saying well, the Eagles have to enter a little bit of a process terrible. of their own. Like let's call a spade a spade, right? Because right. Je- Jeffrey, he's long in the tooth, right. and he's never really been a healthy player. Ever in his whole career, going going back to Chicago, he's yeah. long in the tooth. Peter should have retired nope. two years ago, and, and like 
I can't blame a guy for getting a check, you know, but he, he can't, he's, he's for an offensive lineman. He is long in a tooth. You know, he's been around for quite, quite a while. I mean, what Andy Reed traded for Peterson for, for um, Peters, right? That's a, that's a yes, long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, and the, did. and the defense, they, they keep, at some point, they keep bringing in these high, highly touted players, and it doesn't work. So either there's a coordinator problem or, again, a talent evaluation problem. But the secondary just seems to not really be able to get it together um, in regard to paying guys big money. So at some point, they're going to have to decide to do some version of a rebuild. Yeah. So it, it's, it's funny you bring that up because – all right, so they let Malcolm Jenkins go this year. Did they not learn from when they let Dawkins go that you need a, <laughs> you need a voice in the locker room? How long would the Malcolm or Brian Dawkins got let let go in two thousand eight, and we didn't get a voice in the locker room until twenty thirteen when Malcolm Jenkins signed with the Eagles? So we're gonna go another six seasons without without a veteran like Malcolm Jenkins. That's that's a disgrace. It's on the it's again it, it all at the end of the day. It goes into it oh, goes into the front office. Yeah, yeah, it it, it, it does. It, it comes down to what they give the head coach to work with. Um, Howie's made some very bad contract signings or extensions. I mean, really, out of, out of the guys that they extended from the Super Bowl team. Okay, um, he, all right. Earlier in the year, I was going to say Brandon Graham looks like you know he's working out, but. He's even disappeared these last few games. It's like he's just gotten gassed and he's nowhere to be found. So I mean, it, and that that tells me a little something about it. It's, you know, he's probably done after this year with the Eagles. Um, there, there's a few guys, you know, every year for the last three years, Jason Kelsey's been talking about retirement, and he keeps coming back. So sooner or later, you have to get another center. They haven't even they, they haven't even touched the center position. So, I mean, there's there's. There's a lot of issues. Uh, uh, I would say most of it is with the front office. But then again, I, I, I go right back to I, I go to um, the head coach. I go to the coaching. Like this, the, the biggest m- the mistake he made all year was not hiring an offensive coordinator to actually call the plays. You know, he's, he's not focusing his time where it needs to be, which is to coach the players both sides of the ball. Talk to everybody. Talk, talk to an entire squad. Pull your defensive linemen in. Pull your linebackers in. Get your wide receiver crew in, in your own meeting with them. He's not. He's not doing it. I. I want to say he's kind of checked out, but at the same time, I don't think Peterson has checked out. So I. I don't know, but I think. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to ask you guys, but I honestly feel at the end of the season, Peterson is the one that's going to go. What do you think? I think Peterson steps down or gets well. Uh, if he goes, I mean, what are you going to bring in the next Kansas City coordinator? That well, that he's a name that's out there. Yeah, yeah that, that's a name that's out. Yeah, that's a name that's out there. And I mean, uh, would I poach that? Yeah, of course I would. I would. I would tap into that because Andy Reid found found a great system out there and he hasn't gone off the reserve like he did in his last couple of years here. He's, he reinvented himself 
and look what it got them. It finally got Big Red a Super Bowl. And to tell you the truth, I would take I, in a heartbeat. I would bring Matt, Matt Patricia in here to be the defensive coordinator. In a heartbeat, I would bring him in. All right, so I want to switch it up. I really got a couple more minutes left, but I'm, I want to switch it up because yeah. I'm getting angry. I want to put you on the spot, Griff. So a couple couple weeks ago, we did a, we did a couple segments about like the top sporting events okay. we, uh, that we've been atten- we've been in attendance. So one of my sporting events that I went to happened 33 years ago today. I was there with with my uncle who Ooh. used to work for Upper Deck. And I was it's pretty magical where event. Ron Hexall scored his goal. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, remember, when it happened, I was nine years old. So I don't have Well, and you also probably, I, didn't think I mean, at nine, did you up. know how special it actually so, was like, other than what your dad may have said? Yeah. Like, it's, it's <laughs> tough to really, when not. you're that young, to really appreciate <laughs> these once-in-a-lifetime things. You think it's always going to happen. And, you know, they're going to go to a game and something's going to be special when something like that happens. Like, I remember, right. Like, I remember turning around to my uncle and going, why is everyone, like, jumping off the fence? I'm like, it was an empty net goal. Like, what's the big deal? He's like, you always look. He just, he just had that look like, why are you so stupid? <laughs> like, I can just, I can just, I can just see his face. So my question for you is, what was one of your most games that you were in attendance that you can remember that you like? It was a whether it would, whether it be emotional or you know like like I don't know. Like I said, yeah. that was one of mine. Like I was and I was at a lot of games, but you know that was one of my moments due to you know um, the significance of Ron Hexel. So as far as game like gameplay goes, I was at the last stadium series. Um. And while there isn't like this big momentum, momentous thing, um, when that game ended, when Giroux scored that, right, it's not too often, right? You only get so many outdoor games so many years. And the game felt like in the second period, like I start talking about, like, I don't want to sit here for another blowout, you know, um, like the last, the stadium series in Pittsburgh. And then when, when they finally score the overtime winner, I'll tell you, it felt a lot like the monkey was off the back in regard to Pittsburgh, who had been our Lex Luthor <laughs> um, for so long. You know, your most hated team, and they're just winning cups and whatever else. And it felt like finally this team, because and when we talked about rebuild for the Eagles, the, the Flyers went through their own process. They did it different than the Sixers did, but they went through their own process of trying to shed some bad contracts and get some some kids in. So that was like a nice event to be at. And I was at um, the year of the cup run. They played the capitals in the playoffs. And I was there for the, for, for, I I think it was like game five or game six win, um, which was, which was really fun too. And then my favorite experience with the flyers and I'll close it here. Like I don't have any game. I've been to a ton of sporting events. I don't have a special event like that like a once in a lifetime thing but um a friend of mine's father works for the flyers um he worked he's worked for the flyers since he was like a teenager and uh back at the spectrum you used to wait the players used to come out of a certain exit to go to their cars 
used to wait there to get autographs. Like I was like probably like 14 and um, we were doing that. And I don't remember at the first floor of the spectrum there, there was like a bar called ovations, like a bar restaurant. Oh, I remember yeah, that. So um, the players used to go there after their shower and they all used to hang out, drink beers and eat. And my friend's dad works the penalty box, the opposing team's penalty box, but his friend is the head of security. Well, we were standing out there, me and the, the guy actually who I co-host my show with, we were waiting out there just to get autographs of the players that went to their car. They let us in. So I got to meet, you know, Lindros and LeClaire and, and everybody from like that 96, 95, 96 Flyers team in the in ovations after the game, which was a pretty cool experience too. That is cool. That, that is, that, I mean, that is so Eric was actually at that was at yeah, the stadium series game too. Every outdoor. single outdoor game that they played. Yeah, I I was telling Chris one of my favorite experiences was my, my first time ever in Fenway Park was for the Winter Classic, and me, my buddy, and his well then girlfriend, um, we were sitting there, and I remember freezing my tail off, eating clam chowder, <laughs> and I'm like, "Wow, I'm in Fenway Park," and then I sat back and I said. Wow, this is a hockey game at Fenway Park. <laughs> and, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, I went, <laughs> yeah, I looked at them and I said, How ridiculous is this? That this is our first experience at Fenway Park. And at the same time, they, they looked at me and they both said, It's fucking yeah. great. <laughs> I said, the Bruins and Flyers, I mean, that's a great rivalry game, you know? So it's not even like you. Yeah. Exactly. And I remember that. So for me, that was always awesome. Now I've been back to Fenway to see the Phillies play, but it was just, that was just, it was just funny to me. You know, like it was just something I never thought of in my life. Oh, I can't wait to go to the winter classic. It's going to be great. It's in Boston. And you're sitting there and you're like, wait a second. This is, this is Fenway. (laughs) (laughs) And in January it's cold. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's funny though. Like you, like when you sit there and you talk about playing Pittsburgh in a stadium series and how, like you said, like when Drew scored that goal and you're right. It was like, finally, like, yeah, we finally beat Pittsburgh. I, I feel like the last time we beat, um, we beat Pittsburgh, I had one. Kick. Their most recent first round <laughs> exit um, at the hands of the Penguins, me and my wife down, went down and they game six and it felt like they finally were turning the tide and it was a tight game. And then all of a sudden Pittsburgh just starts lighting the lamp. And you want to talk about a defeating game, you know, like, and then the next year they win the stadium series and if, yeah, it just felt like it, it, you'd have to go back to the five overtime game to feel like you felt good against Pittsburgh. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, it's funny. I almost okay. didn't go to the stadium series game because I was so mad that the flyers hadn't, I hadn't seen them win an outdoor yeah. game. Yeah. They were snake bitten. Yeah. Yeah. And my, my buddy, Steve, he um he says to me he goes yo dude I, I got two tickets he said if I'm not mistaken they were given to him and he's like or his wife got them for him and he's like you want to go I was like okay so how much is it and he's like don't worry about it I was like what okay let's go <laughs> so got myself all bundled up and off we went and we were right where the penguins went onto the ice and came back so I was <laughs> yelling everything I could at Crosby. I mean, I'm sure he could taste or smell the stale beer in my mouth. I'm like, whatever. I'm yelling. I didn't care. I can't stand him. 
I, I'm telling you, my favorite thing was was the mic'd up that they put out afterwards because that made me love Travis Connecting. I like it made me just he became like once was my man crush. Now TK is my man crush. He's just <laughs> yeah, nerd. You shut up. Like the dude yelled back at him. Like what? Yeah, <laughs> Would you shut up in your response? Like, oh, Eat up, yeah. bud. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh, he, he, oh I, I, yeah. So I, I'm I actually wait. looking forward to hockey this year. I'm, yes. I like the 56 game season. I've been wanting a shorter NHL season forever. Um, what happens is when it starts in October, either you care too much early and you fade in the middle and maybe you come back at playoff time, or you don't. Or you don't care at all early in the season. Exactly you don't start paying attention until the until the the fight to get in the playoffs starts happening. It's just too. Not only is it too many games, it's too long. Yeah, and, and I, I'll say this: like, like, like I listen. I love my Flyers. You know, they're my team. But you know, they, they were frustrating for years, and like with the whole goalie situation. And then, you, like you said, you watch this Carter Hart kid. You're sitting there, and you're you're just hearing like how he's doing. I'm like, all right. He gets called up in his first game. Let me tell you something. I when I tell you, I came down in my basement. I turned the lights out. I had my dinner. I had a beer, and I watched the game. It was the first time that I actually made an attempt to make sure I caught the game from beginning to end because I was so excited about Carter Hart. Like I literally, I sat in my basement by myself in the dark watching the game on my TV, eating my dinner with my table in front of me. I'm like, and I'm just watching and I'm going, this kid's 20 years old. And like the composure that he just kept, just on that game alone. Like, just uh, just take take the the playoffs the the next season. Just how he just was like, all right, you know, this and that. Like, not like he didn't look, he didn't look nervous at all. At all. It wasn't like sweat pouring down. He's like, all right, I'm, I'm here to play hockey. Yeah, it's good that you that you can actually say as a Flyers fan now that we have a goaltender. It's it seems like it's been so long since we can say that. It's it's refreshing now. It's just get everybody else in check, get the system in, and let's get to work. Well, you posted earlier. Flyers uh, got a three-year on your thing that they signed so, with the call, right? Yes. It's a great if for the Flyers. I, it's fantastic. I, I love that. Deal. It's three years. <laughs> It's for a little over. It's like like what two point eight per year, um, and he's a restricted free agent again at the end of the three years. So if he if he performs well and someone wants to offer sheet him, you can get compensation. You get first rights to negotiate. It's a great deal for the Flyers. I love Phil Myers. So they signed him. Meet me. Yeah, me too. Then, I love Kevin so, Hayes. <laughs> well, we know we, we we have our text messages going back of our main yeah, see, trucks I for have Kevin my, Hayes. My cousin Jay can't stand <laughs> Kevin Hayes. He he, yeah, he can't stand him. Of course, he's also oh. the self-proclaimed hockey guru. And uh, and I'm like, well, you obviously don't know Jack <laughs> because the guy you may not like him, but he fits this system. But, he fits he, what they're doing. But all right, but hold on. Here's my thing, like. So why doesn't he like Kevin Hayes? Because if you look at Kevin Hayes, I look at him like this, like how, as we talked earlier, as the same way as like the Chase Utley's and the Allen Iverson. He embodies what Philadelphia is. Coming from New York, 
embodies what oh, yeah. this sports town is all about and how he played part. Like, he was the snake bit in the playoffs. He should have. It felt like every time he touched the puck, he, he had a chance to score. Like, and the way he plays, he yeah. just embodies what Philadelphia sports is. So I don't, your cousin or friend or whatever, he's a dope. I'm sorry you can, if you have to listen yeah. to this. You cannot like a contract. Stupid. It's a lot of money for a long term. But I think that's what his main concern is with the contract. Although when he didn't do nothing to playoffs, he texted us and see that's the real Kevin Hayes. I'm like, shut nah, up. Yeah. <laughs> and I it, like, here's the thing is like Kevin Hayes is like a 25 goal a game player, like or goal, goal a game, goal a year player. He's not a, you know, 40 goal scorer, but he, what he brings to your penalty kill what he brings is that second line center, right? Like, so as, as when you're an opposing coach and you've got to line up your team against first Couturier, well, you don't want to have your first line having to play against a top three, two way center in a league. Well, there's not much given to second line either, <laughs> you know? So then what do you do? You know? So right, you got to love what he brings at that second line center, which if Nolan Patrick can play, and him being in the bottom six with his goal scoring ability, it make it elevates his play. So like I I like Kevin Hayes won the penalty killer. I like him. I it seems like a great teammate. Um at least it seems like this team is really close. Um but I like what he can do for some of the younger guys where they're not forced to play big time minutes against the top six of other teams. It's gonna be if if Nolan Patrick is healthy and it looks like he's trending to being able to start the season. It will make it will make him a lot better. Now it will make him a more expensive resign, but it will make him a much better player. I agree. I agree. Now, have uh, either one of you guys heard about the um, the trade rumors involving Travis Sanheim? It's not going to happen. Yeah, I was going to say I don't think that's going to (laughs) happen. There you go. I haven't. I haven't heard it, but clearly well, Griff has, and you he might said it's not going to happen. So I'm going to take his word for it. But he <laughs> was in. The, he was part of the talks when they were when the line A um, trade rumor started floating, because Winnipeg could use defensemen, um, and Sanheim is a very good young defenseman. But with right. losing Niskin in, there's just no <laughs> way you can part. No way that they can part with Sanheim. And he's on a friendly contract. Yeah, yeah I was just gonna say his contract is not is not a is, is not a bad one for the team to have. But there, there's the, when the rumors started to heat up and the asks got look to to pry away at Patrick Line, no matter how upset Winnipeg is can or frustrated they can be with that player, that's a thirty to forty goal scorer a year. It's gonna cost you, and he's only like twenty three years old. Yeah, it's gonna cost you. Yeah, he's a young. lot. So you're not even only talking mm-hmm. about Sanheim. You're talking about both Travis's is what they want wanted, plus a prospect, plus plus a pick or two. And yeah. it's just there's no way. Like when you gut your team for one player like that, geez, you know, like if again you want to talk about this city, if it doesn't work out right away, and Line A is a prototypical goal scorer. He goes through hot streaks and he goes through goal, cold streaks. This team would crucify that kid and. He has a hard enough time in Winnipeg. Winnipeg is not Philadelphia. 
Right. No. Yep, nope, not at all. <laughs> but the NHL, like if, so we talk about Sanheim and Myers, like, yeah, those, those two series, really the Canadian series and the Islander series expose a little bit of concern about the size of the Flyers. Um, but the reality is when you look at how you build like a successful franchise and you're not the lightning, you need to have deep, you need to be deep at center and you need to be really good at defense. The, the other stuff comes, um, but those are the positions you need. To, well, and obviously goaltending. If you're bad at goaltending, it might not be the reason you win, but it will be the reason you lose. We know that too well here. Um, but <laughs> if you're not good at center and you're not good at defense, like you, your defense, it's not the 90s. You can't clutch and grab. Your defensemen need to be able to skate. And if you don't have that, that's why those players are so valuable defenseman that's why you don't see other than petrangelo you don't really see big time defensemen hit the market that frequently they might get traded they don't really frequently hit the free agent market right exactly exactly and that's kind of like uh like i remember when the flyers got a uh, chris pronger and i was just like i knew immediately that they were going to have a great team when they got him and I said, this guy, he quarterbacks he, he your, your team. I said, he, when he's out there, and I just looked at his track record, and you were right. Like, these guys, they don't hit the free agent market. They get traded. Yeah. And he, he bounced around all over the place. And pretty much every team he was with, I, I think except for one, he went to the Stanley Cup Finals with. And that, that told me all I needed to know. I was like, he, I said, he went to the Finals with the Oilers. I was like, he took the Edmonton Oilers to the Finals. And now they have – what was that? They were an eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was gonna, Dude, that was an eight. They were an eighteen. I forgot about that. And that was a tough cup too. And and what and what's funny is is I was you you bring up that you bring up like that year that I actually texted Griff and I'm like I'm watching Game Seven of the 2006 Stanley Cup Finals between Carolina and Edmonton, and I don't think people realize how good that game was. And how close that game was until Justin Williams hit that empty net goal with like, you know, like, like 16 seconds left to, to win 3 1. It was a 2 to 1 game for so long. Like, I, people don't like the series like that, they're just not played anymore. Like, that was a phenomenal, one of the best series I ever watched. And I was on my honeymoon, and me and my wife were watching in the Hard Rock Cafe in Universal, like Universal Studios in Florida. We were in Hard Rock watching, like, game, it was either game five or game six. Think about that. Like, and come my wife's a hockey fan. Think about that. We're on our honeymoon. And, you know, yeah, we, everyone jokes around. Uh, the, the husband. No, me and her were both like, let's watch it. We're sitting at the bar watching the drink. Oh. Really good. <laughs> really. Yeah, they really were. And, you know, it was. Yeah, we never should have. We, we should have kept Brendan Moore and traded Lindros. People forget he was the second line center of that team, too. He wasn't the first line center. Um, no, I'm just saying, like. He's a great, nice I'm player. Kidding, that team me. was really good everywhere. Obviously, obviously they were. They won the cup. I believe he was the was, first line. Was Stall on that like, team? He yet? had like 100 points that season, I believe. Okay. You might want to pull me up on that, but their top scorer had 100 points, and it was their first line center. No. Yeah, real quick, I got a little bit of a, like, breaking news. Um, Des Bryant is not playing in the game tonight versus the Cowboys because he tested positive for COVID. And then he 
in a tweet called it quits for the season. So he's pulling himself out of the rest of the season. <laughs> all that work to come back. Yeah, all that work. And now he's like, oh, okay, well, I got sick. I'm not playing no more. That's crazy. I was like, only days. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah, no problem. It was a good well, time. Thanks for joining us tonight, Chris. Yes, definitely. Thank you. So, you know, I'm kind of glad we got hockey talking because, you know, you got to look forward to something. like this. And just go back and think a couple of years ago. The, the Flyers were like, you know, you, everyone was so mad at the Flyers. Well, and it was, like, it was like three to four years before they were going to be good. You know, and now, and um, now they're at, the thing they're, is, is they went to like be a top ten years basically. If one year they'd make the playoffs and get a first first round bounce, or they'd miss the playoffs completely, and you get frustrated. Or like the best case scenarios are frustrated. The worst case scenario is people stop watching and caring, and that's where they were starting to get at the end of the hackstall hackstall regime. Um, mm-hmm. and now everybody was. You're right. Was, One of them had to go and ended up being because Hextall wouldn't fire. I, listen, I read stories about Hextall and the way he treated this. <laughs> he was crazy. Like he would, like if the player was injured or it was questionable with a lower body injury, yeah. he wasn't allowed to talk to So I did look it up. What? It was Eric Stahl was their top point getter in, in 05 06. And had a hundred points. I was right. <laughs> okay. I, I, I believe you. So, well, you want to add anything, Eric? Before we leave, no, we, man, uh, no, no. I'm, I'm good. Other. I'm happy with the uh, with our conversations tonight. Um, I definitely would love to have John back on again another time, so we can actually do a dedicated show to hockey because it, it, it's always fun talking some of the frozen puck, especially now that. We got something to talk about. They're they're going to have a season, so I'm I'm happy with it. So, but no. All right, and I'm on the I'm on vacation. Um, like my last day of work is the 23rd of December, and I go back uh, January 4th. So I will start building uh, the fantastic the fantasy oh, okay. website up. No Bro. problem. Which, which we still need like what three so. teams for that, don't we? No, no, no. I, I think, I, I think we were at, I, I, John, um, who did you have? I, I forget. had three guys. So I think I brought four. I had three guys that I played hockey okay, with. Two. Right, and it was... Or no, five. I had five. All right, sorry, and then it was right. me and you, Eric, and you were going to ask I got, I got our guy, Jake, that, uh, who, who uh, covers the Giants, and we got our and we got Frank, Frank okay. James. He, uh, he said he's definitely in. You know, you know he, he writes for... Uh, Nitty-gritty, so he... yeah we'll have to get yeah, we'll have to get frank we'll have to get uh frank on we'll do we'll do a dedicated thing yes it's nice to have two hockey guys like, like I, I i know hockey but like it's it's not my forte my forte is big, yeah, my forte I'm is baseball football and i mean i can talk so. puck, but i i'm pretty much uh i'm pretty much football but uh no it'd be kind of cool to have two hockey guys especially uh you know, one who's writing for a website, another one's got his own little podcast going. I love it. This is good stuff. <laughs> Sounds good to me. All right. I will definitely do the All sign right, off. You want to do the sign off, Eric? Right, everyone, thank you for listening. If you've stuck around this long, 
this is the end of the Philly Philly podcast for uh, CEVsports.com. A uh, special thank you to our uh, co-host for the night, let's say, John Griffith from the uh, Driveway Athletes podcast. And uh, I'm Eric Perugini for Christopher Lahiff. And good night, everyone. Right, Bye, good night. guys. Good night.